so um, I was busy saying it's, it's, it's always my desire to, to minister something to you that will build you up, encourage you, strengthen you, uplift you. But um, in the same breath, it's also my responsibility to always make sure that I preach the truth to you, not at you, but to you, because the Word of God is very powerful, life-changing, and um, God's Word is full of instruction, correction, and in fact, Paul instructs Timothy, you know, to when he preaches the Word, to do it in a way that, that will build people up, that will correct people, you know, that will help people to get in line for their own sake. How many of you believe with all of your heart that God truly loves you so much? How many of you believe that every single part of God's Word is important? If that is true, every single part of God's Word should be taught to us. We should learn and understand and know all things so that we can grow and become all that God has called us to do and to be. The enemy has always had certain strategies that he uses in the body of Christ to interrupt or to disrupt the growth of a Christian, sometimes even to the point where it becomes very harmful to that individual. The strategies haven't changed. They've been the same since the very beginning. Satan's schemes are the same. So what you must realize about his schemes, even though they're the same, he's been doing it a really long time. So he knows how to attack the, the people of God. He knows the, the things that work, that can affect the people of God. And this evening, I want to show you something that I believe is just, just so important. And um, I truly believe this is what the Lord wants me to share tonight. And I've entitled the message, Jude's Warning. I can hear you're all excited. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for Jude's warning. Let's go to Jude. There's only one chapter. And it's only 24 verses. But what you need to know is that it's right before the book of Revelation. So after everything has been taught to us, instruction, teaching in Scripture, there's this short letter, a short address, and, and, and there's the, the certain details to this address that I must point out to you this evening because I believe they can save your life. I believe they can help you so much. You know, many times certain books in the Bible are referenced towards a certain audience. This audience that is addressed here is without any shadow of a doubt, unquestionably you. But before we get to who he's addressing, let's look at how he begins. Jude Verse number one, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. The way he starts this book to me is so powerful because probably you, you may not know who Jude is. Jude is Jesus' brother or half-brother if you want to call him that, but he is the brother of Jesus, the brother of James. So James and Jude were Jesus' brothers. But when he starts his letter, he doesn't say Jude, the brother of Jesus. He says Jude, a bondservant of Jesus. In other words, he recognizes who Jesus is. He wants you, the audience, to know 
that he has fully surrendered himself and a bond servant simply is a slave. He is a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given his life, his heart. We know that in the beginning they didn't believe necessarily who he was, but by this point they fully were persuaded that he was the Messiah. He was the son of the most high God. Can you say amen? But he wants you to know that even though his posture is one of a servant, he's the brother of James, and by making that statement, you would know exactly who he was. It's interesting because the very next work, he or the very next part of the verse, he says this. He says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. This is who the letter is written to. So, if you fall into any of these categories, called, sanctified, preserved, this letter is to you. This is not written to Jews. This is not written to Romans. This is not written to Hebrews. This is written to those who are called, sanctified, and preserved. Now, that doesn't mean that Romans, Hebrews, and all the others do not, are not applicable to you. They absolutely are. But the context is very direct. In other words, the audience is without any question, all of us. Called, sanctified, and preserved. Called. How many of you in this room believe that you are called by God? You have been called by Him. You have been sanctified. That means you have been set apart. And that how many of you know that if you're sitting in this room... You have been preserved. Because <laughs> if you weren't, you would no longer be here. You would be seated in heaven. Amen? You no longer need to be preserved because you're already there. So this letter is very much for you. He starts the letter out in a very, very sort of normal type way. He says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. In other words, he starts by just sending his love, his regards, his he sends mercy and peace towards each and every one of us. Mercy, peace, and love. He says, I'm going to teach you the whole book tonight. Amen, the whole thing. You're going to get it all in like 25 minutes. Amen. <laughs> then he says this. He says, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. In other words, listen, my plan was to write to you about our salvation. And when he talks about common salvation, he's not saying that it's common. He's talking about, about a letter about our salvation and, 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 and what it has to do and how it has to do with all of us and community and all of that. So, you know, he, he, he had all the intentions of writing a very pleasant, very lovely, very gentle, encouraging, strengthening letter to each and every one of us about our awesome salvation. But while he had salvation and love and mercy in his heart, the Lord began to speak to him about a message that he had to give the church, a message that had to be spoken to each and every one of us. So I want you to understand that there was no mistake about what was set in his heart to write about. 
I'm going to write about salvation. I'm going to, that's in my heart. I'm going to write about mercy, love, and, and peace. And this is what I want to minister about. And while he begins to pray supposedly or, 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 or he's praying or meditating or just busy writing and he, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to him, salvation's kind of like what it's all about and talking about the love and, the, and, the, and, the, and faith and peace. And, and all of a sudden, God speaks to him clearly. And the theme is kind of the same. Watch what he says. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, exhorting you, encouraging you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. The word contend in the Greek is so powerful. The word contend is the word, watch this now, and in between apagonizomai is the word agonize. Apagonize amai. Are you with me? So he wants you to apagonizomai or to contend or to struggle. The, the, the detail, the depth of the Greek word is so powerful because it shows almost like an agonizing, contending, earnestly for the faith. He wants to preach about salvation. And while he has this in his heart, God says, I want you to tell them that they have to contend for the, for the faith, for salvation. The theme hasn't changed. Are you with me? I want you to tell them, exhort them to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. How many of you are grateful for that faith? How many of you are grateful for your salvation? How many are grateful for the mercy, the goodness, the love of God? Come on, every, I don't know about you, but I am so, so grateful. We have to contend for it because it's precious. We have to contend for it, and he's writing this, and all of a sudden is so burdened because he recognizes just how precious and how sacred this salvation, this faith that we have truly is. Earnestly contend. Apagonizomai, apagonizomai. Struggle. Agonize for it. But why should we contend for it? Why should, we, why should we struggle? For, what, is, why, what, is, what is he trying to tell us? He's going to tell us clearly what he's talking about in just a moment. He's going to explain to us why he's warning you about contending, struggling for the faith, fighting for it. Here it comes. Are you ready? He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. Stop everybody and look at me. I am not talking to you. I pointed at nobody, purposefully. Because I was watching a movie with my wife this couple of days ago, my whole family actually. And it was a South African movie. And they have got such a funny accent, you know. <laughs> Man, I hope I don't sound like that. Okay, anyway. And in the movie, there's, this guy has got you know, his life's upside down and everything. He finally goes to church with his family. He's sitting in the church. The pastor's busy preaching. And he bumps his wife. And he says to her, did you tell her, did you tell him about me? 
did you, did you tell him about me? She goes, I've never spoken to him in my life. Bumsy's daughter, was it you? Did you tell him all about me? Nobody said anything about you. Are you with me, guys? I want you to understand the letter is not written at you. It's a warning. The warning is not even at you. The warning is about certain people that have crept into the faith, that have crept into, into the church. I want you to understand, I'm not here to... Pastor Alex, I saw you look at me. Pastor Alex, I know you were talking about me. No, I wasn't. I'm preaching the Bible. That's all I'm doing. Amen. So you need to understand the address is not at you. It's warning you about certain individuals. Now, if the shoe fits, that's between you and God. I know this. I can assure you, when I read this, I examine myself. Lord Jesus, don't let me be one of these that is spoken about. And if in any way I have disappointed you or let you down, forgive me, God. But don't just forgive me. Help me to change. Help me to not be that way. Because I never want to fall into that category. Are you with me? All right. He says certain men have crept in unnoticed. In other words, they look like everybody else. They sound the same. They sing the same. They dance the same. They say the same things. Everything looks the same. They are unnoticed. You wouldn't say that there's anything different about them. And then he says this, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. They are ungodly men. But I want you to see that he says they are ungodly men, but yet in the church they look godly. Because they've come, they've come in unnoticed. Now what is it about these ungodly men? What is it about them that is so dangerous? What is it about them that he's warning us about to protect, to contend, to struggle for the faith against these individuals? Now he's going to tell us. He says, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they turn amazing grace that we have into lewdness. The word lewdness simply is, is simply sin that is practiced without any shame or concern. In other words, they feel like they can live anyway or they teach that you should live however you want, do whatever you want, and it's fine. You're going to be okay. The problem is that they're suggesting that grace allows you to do this. And he's saying, listen, protect your faith. 
Because these guys will come in and they will try to teach you that you can do this and that our grace enables you to live this way and to do this. And I want you to know it's dangerous. He says, they turn the grace of our God into lewdness. In doing this, they deny, in doing this, they deny, because he says, he says, they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. In doing this, they deny the one true God. Basically, what they do is they build an idol of him that is not really who he is. Because that's not who he is. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And grace is something I can never define to you because it is far greater, far deeper, far wider, far more than we can ever explain or express. But to suggest that our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, allows grace to be put in and abused in a way that you can just do what you want, live how you want without any consequences or in any way thinking that, listen, this is wrong. You are not, take a look at it, put the scripture up for me, please. You are essentially denying God and you are essentially denying the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not true grace. It is false grace. You are making a mockery of the truth. I know this. I know it's not. I know. This is, listen, I warned you. <laughs> but the only reason why this letter is there right before the book of Revelation is because it means pay attention. The address is not to a specific group, but to all of us. How perfect is God? How, 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 how much more convincing do we need? He's not warning you because of you. He's warning you about these that will come and teach you that these things are okay. They will come and say to you, don't worry, you know, don't worry. Don't worry, you don't have to change. The past is just judgmental. No, the past is trying to save your life, man. I also want to come and sing Kumbaya every week. It's so nice. And tickle your ears because it's comfortable. And we just have a good time. Come on. But the reality is, is that's not going to get you to where you're supposed to go. That's not going to set you free. What sets you free? The truth shall set you free. Yes, do all things in love. No question. An expression can most certainly be harmful. No, no doubt about that. But the truth is still the truth. So in other words, we can't leave out the parts where God says, don't do this because it's going to harm you. Don't live like this because there are consequences. So by stating these things, in no way is that me being judgmental or even God the reason why those things are in place is for your protection, is for your provision. And he goes after this right out the bat, boom. Because this is the one thing that will destroy lives. And I've been in ministry long enough to know that those who follow that 
generally end up in major misery. Generally. Are you guys with me? You better say amen. amen. Or you're going to have to say, oh my. <laughs> he says in verse number five, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. He's giving us an example. The example is the children of Israel. The example is that God showed them miracle after miracle, parts the sea, provides food, takes care of them, a cloud of smoke, a pillar of fire. I mean, what more do you want? Miracle after miracle, but at the end they choose not to believe. When it's time to step out of the boat, when it's time to, to be obedient, they choose not to believe, saying that he is not able to protect us from the giants and the things that we see. So all of them died. <laughs> the first example is showing how unbelief is one of the causes. These are, these are the effects. He goes on and he says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but, live, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment to the great, judgment of the great day. Now, now, most scholars agree that what he's talking about is the fallen angels that did not keep with their own abode. They did things on the earth that they shouldn't have done. It was improper, and they ended up basically being judged by God. Are you with me? They are now in chains until the day of judgment. I'm not going to get too much into that. But I want you to understand that what God is trying to show us is that when we do what is disobedient, there are oftentimes consequences. Let's take a look at the next thing. He says, as Sodom and Gomorrah... And the cities around them in a similar manner to, to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. Everyone say strange flesh. Are set forth as an example. Watch this now. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The judgment that's waiting for these is intense. Doing what? Well, if you go and have a look at what they were doing in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah, yes, there was things that had to do perhaps with angels, but most certainly all kinds of, of sexuality that was not according to God's word, they had gone after these things. I want you to know that the consequences are severe. Unless there's remorse, repentance. Are you with me? The grace that's taught, oh, it's all fine, don't worry. You can be homosexual, you can do whatever you want. If that's taught to you, I want you to know those guys have come in unnoticed. I don't want I, I, I to get up here, well, you know, it's not good to do this. I don't need to tell you, the Bible tells it all. I'm not making it up. Are you guys with me? The theme has been made clear. Now he's giving the examples. 
Sodom and Gomorrah was a, a city full of all kinds of sexual perversion. Doing what was abominable in the sight of God. And he's telling us, listen, the judgment that's waiting is not good. Is God a God of grace? Absolutely. But when you begin to say, oh, it's fine. Do what you want. Live how you want. I want you to understand that he's making it very clear. That's not right. Contend for the truth. Contend for what's right. Contend for, because souls, people's lives are at risk here. This is serious. This is not a game. This is serious. This is real. This is, this is somebody's life. And you want to tell them that it's okay? Yes, the struggle might be real. Yes, it might be difficult. I understand that. But just like you struggle with this, there are other people that struggle with other things, and that's also not okay. I don't want to stay here. Is that okay? I want to move on. But take a look. The themes are very interesting. The next verse He says, likewise, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. I want you to understand something. I said something the other day to one of my staff. I said, you know, I said, I said someone that can't submit to authority on the earth cannot submit to, to God. If you're not able to submit to authority, if you reject authority, I want you to understand it is dangerous. I'm not talking about abusive authority. I'm not talking about evil. If you see something wrong and you don't like something, move on. Move on. Don't stay there. I'm not going to stay somewhere where things are bad and things are wrong. I'm going to move. Are you with me? But I'm not going to come against it and attack it and all that. Because just now you're attacking something that God has put in place. He says, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Now watch. He says, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring him a reviling accusation and said, the Lord rebuke you. I could spend a lot of time here, but I'm not going to do this tonight. But what I will say is that he chose to submit to God's authority and God's position instead of his own opinion and what he wanted to say. So he used the Lord's authority in his rebuke. Are you with me? And he rebuked according to God's word. He didn't even say anything more. And he's saying, listen, nobody in this room likes the devil. Amen? Amen. And he's giving us a really intense example. Why? Because he's trying to show you that when you come against authority, it is not right. When you speak evil of dignitaries, when you speak evil, when you come against it, I want you to know there are consequences for it. Don't get mad at me. Let's move on because this is not the one I want to focus on. Amen. All right. But it's in there. He says, he says, but these, who? These people, they speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things, 
they corrupt themselves. He says, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. What does that mean, the way of Cain? Well, there's so much information about this in, in, in the sense of what people believe this could be. But if we go to 1 John 3, verse 11, this is what it says. He says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? The way of Cain. Why? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. In other words, his, his offerings, his works, what he brought to the Lord, his heart was not pure. His heart was not right. His brothers was righteous. And what happened was, because he became jealous, he began to speak against. And what happened? He ends up murdering. That's what happens when we attack those in authority. Our hearts become so defiled that we end up having even murderous intent. Hallelujah, Pastor Alex. Amen. Yeah, amen. All right. <laughs> Let's go back to Jude 11. He says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam. Why? For profit. We know the story of Balak and Balaam. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But essentially what happens is, is that he ends up going and having to curse Israel. God tells him, don't curse Israel. You can't curse Israel. So he even schemes to destroy the people of Israel by telling the king, listen, send women in there so, they'll, so that they'll lust and, and do what's not proper so a curse will come on them automatically because of their sins. And the reason why he did it was for profitable gain, to line his pockets. So he's saying that what will happen is you'll see these individuals, it will be all about personal gain. It will all be about themselves so that they can get rich, so that they can become famous. Are you with me? These are the things you have to watch out for. He says again, let's go back to Jude 11. It's so weird, like you want to say Jude 1, 11, but it's just Jude 11. He says, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, he says, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Let's go to Numbers 16, 3. I'll read this really quick to you. So basically, I've, I've, I've taught on this in the past. You can actually go, I have a whole sermon on this. But basically what happens is these leaders rise up against Moses. And this is what they say. They say, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? In other words, they rise up against Moses. You take too much on yourself. We also anointed. We also hear from God. We're not going to listen to you. Moses ends up falling on his face, crying out to God. God ends up judging them. Amen. Let's go back to Jude. We'll pick it up in verse number 12. Now, we're talking about these individuals 
that you can clearly see they teach a certain way, they speak against authority, they have their own motives and own desires, and he, he kind of elaborates now. He says, these are the spots in your love feasts. While they feast with you without fearing, serving only themselves, they are clouds of with clouds without water, carried about by the wind, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming in their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. Now remember, I'm not talking to you. I'm warning you about individuals that will come in Generally, this type of individual will be a leader. This leader will have his own motives, will have a lot to say. Are you with me? Will criticize. Their motives are their, their own pockets or their own, their own they, they want things to go their own way. Are you guys with me? And they're very quick to judge. They're very quick to come against. And, and the, the, the problem is, is that what happens is, that they end up defiling themselves so much that they end up getting themselves into total trouble. And the worst problem is that they end up influencing people that end up going the same way. And it's deadly. And I didn't write it. But I've seen it. I've seen it time and again. How innocent people, good people, get swayed by, by pastors, by leaders in this church, out of this church. I've seen it in both. That have got their own desires, their own motives, impure. Not necessarily always at this level of extremity, but it becomes harmful. And as soon as they start, they begin to influence the people around them. That influence ends up causing so much trouble. And you must see that everything they do is to flatter and make you feel good so that you'll end up believing them. Take a look. Verse 14. He says, Now Enoch, the, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Now he's going to give us more of an example. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. They, and they mouth great swelling words. They've got lots of, they say good things. They flatter you, flattering people to gain advantage. Are you with me? Man, it's quiet in Vero Beach tonight. Pastor, please don't teach on the book of Jude again. Probably like once a year. No, maybe once every few years. The reality is it's important that you understand this, that you see this. Because they will come. 
They'll look the sound. They'll smell, sound the same. They'll smell the same. They'll smile. They'll do all of that stuff. They'll tell you how great you are. You know, people should, you know, you know, the, you know, the leadership should notice you. You know, you're so anointed and blah, blah, blah. And da, 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 da. You know, don't you think that, you know, don't you think that Pastor Mike is just, you know, he's not very good. And, you know, you know let's just send him far away. And, you know, and, you know that's how it starts. You know, I don't know why Pastor Alex sent Pastor Mike, you know, he should have rather sent me, you know, but, you know, I, but, you know, I, you know I've, I've studied more, I've more, you know, this is how it goes. And these are the things that are destructive and harmful. You see, it is, unfortunately, many times things like this are taught because people want to be controlling. And the truth is, that's not what this is about. When something is wrong, it's wrong. Someone that's under authority will always be corrected. So you should always be in a place where the leader is under authority. But it is not your place to criticize or come against, like the Bible says, what they do not know. Are you guys with me? Now remember, this is not for you, it's warning you. But you all look so guilty, it's terrible. (laughs) Jeez, Lord. No wonder you wanted me to preach this word tonight. (laughs) Man, I'll have to carry on with this tomorrow morning. (laughs) Now watch what he says, because now the tone changes. He says, but you, beloved, who's he talking to? To you guys. Remember the words which were spoken before by, by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you, that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. Watch now. Here's the summary. These are sensual persons who cause divisions. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. Capital S. It's not my words. It's in the Bible. And I'm not talking to you. I don't know you. (laughs) Now he's going to tell us what we should do so that we can contend for the faith. Verse 20. But you, beloved. Now he's talking to you. He's talking to us. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. The first thing you have to do is build yourself up on your faith. He says, praying in the Holy Spirit. He says we should pray in the Spirit. We should build ourselves up in the faith. We should stay close to God. We should stay close to the faith, the truth. Stay, stick to what God says to His Word. Stick to what's right. Stick to what's honorable. Contend for the faith. Build yourself up on the faith. And then what should you do? You should pray in the Spirit. You should want to hear from the Spirit. You should desire to be walking with God. You should desire to be led by the Spirit. 
so building yourself up in the faith, the truth, the one and only faith, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Let Him make intercession for you and with you. Let Him pray with you. Be, be, get close to Him. Then you'll be able to identify. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What does that mean? It means what it says. Your whole walk with God, look for mercy. Until when? Until you get eternal life, till the end. Look for mercy. Walk in mercy. Walk in grace. But do it contending for the faith. Do it uprightly for the faith, building yourself up in the faith, not in what someone comes in and convinces you, sways you, persuades you with ungodly aspirations, bringing division, bringing all kinds of doctrines that will harm you and hurt you. But yes, they might sound easy. God's word, when God corrects, when God instructs, it's only for your own good. It's only to help you, to protect you. Because the true battle, the true wrestle is not against flesh and blood. So the consequences of our actions of sin create spiritual transactions that affect spiritual forces. The only time the enemy has any authority to operate in the life of a believer is when the legal ground has been given. So God says, don't do this. We think, oh, he's trying to spoil my fun. No, he's not. He loves you. So when God says, don't do this, is he judging? No. He's instructing. He's correcting. He's warning. He's helping you. When the pastor then reads it, or like tonight, I'm not going after you. I'm telling you what the Bible says to protect you, to instruct you, to correct you, to warn you. Oh, you know, Pastor Alex, is just, he's just judgmental. He's just judgmental. <laughs> Listen, I'm most judgmental on myself. I examine myself every day. I don't like what I see often. I'm a human too. Don't look at me, you sinner, you. Keep yourself in the love of God. Look for mercy till you inherit eternal life. I love it. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. Walk in His love. Walk in His grace. Walk in His mercy. When you make a mistake, Lord, I messed up, but I I don't want to continue doing this. Give me grace. Give me mercy, Lord. Help me to overcome. Strengthen me, God. If you, if you say something you shouldn't, maybe you've said something you shouldn't, go to him and ask for forgiveness. The good thing is, if you really mean it, he will truly forgive you. That's the wonderful thing about God. That's why he says, stay, walk in mercy all the way to the end. Because I assure you, it doesn't matter how good you are, you will make mistakes. You will say things you shouldn't say, do things you shouldn't do. But don't keep on doing it thinking that, well, you know, there's grace for me. That's the warning right in the beginning, guys. Well, you know, Pastor Alex, you know, Pastor Alex told that guy he mustn't come back to church. Why? Why did he do that? 
Because if I don't do it, I've hardly ever done it. Just please. But you have to teach someone that there are consequences. It's the last thing I ever want to do. Tell someone, listen, until you change or until you say apologize for what you've done because it's really wicked, it comes out of a dangerous place. For your own protection, I'm telling you, don't come back to church until you repent. Oh no, Pastor Alex, how could you do that? You evil Pastor Alex. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You say you're his friend, but you tell him it's okay. I don't need friends like you. I want a friend that will come to me and say, hey, buddy, and I have friends like that. I have a pastor like that every now and then. And when he corrects me, he, it's such a long lesson, but it's, it's like he sorts me out, let me tell you. Well, you know, Alex, and like he always starts when he talks to me with a joke, always. He always teases me. And when he phones me like this and he's serious, I'm like, oh, oh, here it comes. And when I put the phone down, I don't go, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's like 74 years old. What does he know? That's right. That is funny. It's really funny. Listen, we'll see how many of us are still standing when we're 74 in ministry. So now here I am. 45 years old, must correct a man that's 75 years old or 74 years old that's been in ministry for 50 years. I must now tell him, listen, your ways. Listen to me, never in your life will I do that. Never. These are things over the years that I've learned that the Holy Spirit has helped me to understand. Even when I got upset with the church years ago, when I was a young man, when I was a really young man, I'm still young, you know. I never once criticized, pointed fingers. I know today that's the only reason I'm still here. So these things are so important, guys, but you, the warning tonight is that you must watch out for this. That's what he's saying. He's telling you because I can honestly say, I truly believe that 99.6% of you, (laughs) most of you, probably even all of you, don't have this problem. If there's one little area here where maybe you need to work on, or maybe you've started to believe some of this stuff, false grace, whatever it might be, it's a warning, and I hope you see it for your protection. Are you with me? Like I said, tonight will be a little different. Amen? Now, I've said all of that. Now, I want to show you what the Bible says. Watch this. We're talking about these individuals. He says this about them. He says, and on some, and some of who? Some of these, 
have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by their flesh. That's why you can't always just be Mr. Nice Guy. Yes, always in love. Listen, brother, I want you to come right. If your heart changes, we love you, we want you. But you have to realize that if you carry on this way, you're going to be in trouble. Some you don't have to get firm with, but sometimes you have to, because if you don't, the consequences are deadly. I need to say that again. This book is not a joke. This letter is not a joke. It is serious. It is so serious. It's this letter that has kept my mouth shut when I get upset sometimes because it doesn't go the way I like it. It's this letter that when certain doctrines get taught, I can refer back to it and say, I can see this. I can see this teaching is false. I can see this is potentially going to bring harm to individuals. I understand that, that I need to show mercy and mercy and mercy, but sometimes I need to be a little bit firm. Otherwise, I'm going to cause that person to enter into destruction. Now he's telling you this, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear. The, the goal is always to save them, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by their flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, this is now the best part. He's pretty much done now. He's already made the address and now he's crying out to God. Listen, to him who is able, who is able? Only the Father. To do what? To keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His, of, of His glory with exceeding joy. That's the God that we serve. Can you say amen? He is able to keep you from stumbling. He is able to protect you from these things. But what must you do? Contend. Contend for the faith. Fight for what's truth. Fight for what's right. Are you guys with me? Don't get caught up in this garbage. Don't, have, have, don't be a busybody. Oh, I should, I'm going to preach a sermon, the busybody. Oh, yes. I'm going to do a series on the busybody. And that will be for you. That's not going to be a warning. <laughs> Look at how he ends off. It's so good. He says, to God our Savior, the next part is brilliant, who alone is wise. That's the wisdom I need. I don't need my opinion. My opinion means nothing. It's his opinion. Why? Because it's the only one that is truly wise. Oh, you know, but you know, Pastor Alice, but you know, but you know, but you know, but you know nothing. But you know, but you know, but you know, I know nothing. 
Come on, guys. The only wisdom that counts for anything is the wisdom that comes from above. Because that's the only wisdom that can set you free. That's the only wisdom that, wisdom that can save your life. That's the only wisdom that can bring you true healing. He says, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. We just did a whole book of the Bible. Amen. I believe, without any doubt, and I believe this so sincerely, that we are heading as a church into a time of the refining fire. I believe that as God pours out His glory, His presence on the earth, and it comes, listen, in the body of Christ right now, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a serious shaking taking place, okay? I do not celebrate in any destruction or harm to the body of Christ in any way, but God is busy. That's why I say the first person I examine is myself, because do not let me fall into those traps, Lord. Come on, somebody. That's why the accountability is there. Listen to me, guys. Sometimes people think we're ridiculous. I go nowhere without this lady. Nowhere. She counsels with me. I don't see women alone. In fact, I hardly ever see women. Accountability. That's the way we do it here. If I see my pastors with a woman alone, so help them God. They will be in big trouble. Am I being ridiculous? If you think so, that's fine. I believe it's called accountability. That's just one example. It's the same with everything. It's the same with everything we do. Everything that gets done here, there's accountability. That's the way it should be. If so for us, so for you. You also need it. That's why God puts you in a household of faith so that we can keep each other accountable, so we can pick each other up. That's what the cell groups are there for, the you groups, they're there so you can connect and have people that can help you. Your cell leader is there to help you. I can't get to all of you. I wish I could. Sundays more than ever. I wish by Wednesday, I'm like, I don't want to see another one. (laughs) Can't, Lord, help me. (laughs) That's why it takes a team in the church. Amen. Amen. And with this greater level of refining fire, this passion, zeal, this fire that God is sending, also will come, I don't want to say judgment, but that refining, where God will begin to refine. Guys, Heed the words of this letter tonight. Watch out for those who have crept in unnoticed, that have a desire to lead you astray. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Man, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful, Lord that you still love me. Even with my weaknesses, my faults, 
And I know there are so many in this room that feel that way, God. Your mercy, I chase after it. I choose, Lord, to rather come before you and humble myself because I know you show mercy and grace to the humble. But those who are proud, you reject them. So Father, I pray, help us. Help us, Lord, to understand that only your wisdom is true wisdom. Only your word is truth. Help us, Lord. Yes, we have an opinion, God. But when it comes to your word, only your word is truth. Don't ever let us read it wrong, interpret it wrong, see it wrong. Holy Spirit, help us to see clearly. Help us to hear your voice. And Father, I pray that not one of us would ever fall into the trap as one of those that is spoken of in the book of Jude, who will surely enter into a judgment that is so severe. God, I pray not one of us would ever be in that place, Lord. Not one of us would ever allow our hearts to get so defiled, Lord, that we begin to do things in a way that can even cost us our eternity. Lord, we honor you and we love you. I pray for mercy. I pray for your love for each and every one in this place this evening. Mercy and love. More mercy, more love, more peace, more joy, more of your strength, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. But help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to have discerning of spirits, God, the gift of discerning of spirits. I pray you would increase it in the life of the individuals in this house, Lord. Even those watching online, give us the discerning of spirits that we will know and see and understand, Father. We choose your ways. We choose your word. We choose you, Jesus, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Just raise your hands for a moment. Father, I pray this evening for each and every person in this place. Lord, every one of us has, ha has had a different journey, different struggles, different things to deal with, different things that we've been through and mistakes that we've made. I ask tonight, Lord, that you would flood them with grace, with mercy, and with your love. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Holy Spirit, you are the one who draws us. So I ask that you draw us tonight, not by might or power, just you, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus, we honor you and we love you, for there is none like you. And Father, as your word declares, as your word says that it is, it is yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.